Decor on Midlands 183, your arts and entertainment for the Midlands, with the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. Imagine the possibilities. DeanCrowTheatre.com you're very welcome to Encore, Midlands 103's dedicated arts show. I'm Claire O'Brien and every Thursday evening between 7 and 8 o'clock, I bring you the best of what is happening in the arts, culture and entertainment in Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Tonight, Offaly writer Mary Minnock from Tullamore tells us about her novel Homesick and her experience of self-publishing. We preview two big and very different gigs this weekend. On Saturday night in Mullingar, comedian Anne Gildee brings her show How to Get the Menopause and Enjoy It to Lake County audiences and she's been telling me about the horrors and the hilarities of the change. Also on Saturday, but in Offaly, in Burr to be precise, Donegal band Honor bring their folk tunes to Burr Theatre. I'll be chatting to them too. There's lots happening across the Midlands as we gear up for the new year and the new season in the arts. Plenty to distract us from the dark nights. Athlone's Little Theatre are welcoming Hubcap Theatre Group to their stage. They bring a two-hander. It's called The Parish and it's on tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday nights. It's described as hilarious, a heartwarming play with a range of colourful characters found in every community and exploring the meaning of community and friendship. And you can find out more and get tickets at Eventbrite or at athlonelittletheatre.ie. Jack L is performing tomorrow night at the Dunham Ace Arts Centre and the following night sees Pat and Faye Short take to the stage. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email me at any time to encore at midlands103.com. Encore on Midlands 183, your arts and entertainment for the Midlands with the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. Imagine the possibilities. DeanCrowTheatre.com And you're very welcome back to Encore. And just before the break, you heard music from the band Honor from County Donegal. They're coming to Burr Theatre and Arts Centre on Saturday night. They have a phenomenal gig planned for you. Um, But that song, The Old Triangle, that you heard, as I say, just before the break, is one that has particular importance and relevance to the band. And when I chatted to Jerma McGee, one of the four members of Honor, I asked him what was so special about that song. That song, I suppose for us, we created that as just four friends who were looking for a way to pass an evening as Ireland had come out of lockdown in 2020. There was no such thing as as us thinking about having a, a career or a full-time job working with this as a, as, a, as a brand, you know. We were just four lads who all played music, had never played music together before. The, the four members, myself and Dean, were a duo. Tom and Declan, the other two guys, were a duo. And uh, at the time, I was making videos for YouTube. And I just reached out to the lads and I said, come up to the house. It'll pass an evening. It'll take about nine or ten hours to make it. And sure, we'll upload it. And that was it. That was all the thought that went into it. Now, it actually took 150 hours to make the video and the audio. And I grossly underestimated it at nine or ten hours. And when it went up online, for some reason, it went viral. I do not know to this day why. None of us know. But within a week, about three and a half million people had seen us. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, none of us actually have any reason why. I think that year, I remember, I just literally, again, to pass the evenings, I had come home from living in America. And when lockdown had happened, I just started posting little singing videos. And it became like a wee thing. And I did it one a week or two a week, whatever it was. 
the Oil Triangle was the 44th video I had made that year. And the rest of them, it was just my dad and my mum who were watching them, you know? Yeah. The Oil Triangle, for some reason, caught the public imagination and people just seemed to love it. And Well, I suppose the, the difference in that one also was that it wasn't just you on your own. Not saying, Jeremy, there's anything wrong with you on your own, but when obviously some kind of <laughs> alchemy, some kind of alchemy when the three, the four of you come together. No, even that's totally agree with that. Like for me, that was the first time I had actually did any recording or video editing where it was other people involved and automatically it's so much better. It's so much more fun. It's so much more enjoyable. You can go crazy editing your own audio when you've listened to yourself sing a line of a song 40 times and you're trying to figure out why it's not sounding right. (laughs) So it it was such a fresh thing to do. And uh, Tom, one of the guys in the band, after that week, he rang all of us and he was like, listen, I know that was just, that was just a one-off. We have got to do that again. He was like, look at the reaction to that, you know. So, well, actually the night that we made that video for it, so we had the audio created and we went to a, a beautiful place called Merva Forest here in Donegal. And uh, yeah, Tom and uh, all the guys, we went down there. That night, Ireland went into its, its second or third lockdown. So we couldn't actually, we couldn't get together to do another one anyway. And by the time we had come out of lockdown, we were all so busy because life took over again, you know. So we actually didn't get together to make a second video for almost 13 months. It was almost a full year. And talk to me about then the name Honor. Where did that come from and the the background behind it? It was kind of, there was no intention that, as I said, like that it would be a thing that we're going to do. This was just guys getting together. The Irish song, that folk song, for whatever reason, just seemed to resonate with people. So that kind of became our thing. We decided we would just make another video, and, and the, the second one we made was this a beautiful location as well, a castle here in Donegal, and it was the part in glass. We wanted to do another kind of Irish folk thing. Then when it came time to pick a name for the group, everyone said, well, I think <laughs> the whole Irish thing has been very good to us. We need to have an Irish-influenced name. So for weeks and weeks, we wrecked our brains about nice names and things that could be Irish. But the thing with that is we're, we're, we're from Ireland and we find it hard sometimes to pronounce Irish words, you know. This is it's an absolute true. shame. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is a crying shame. But um, so if someone in England or America or Germany is going to try and pronounce it, I mean, that idea is out the window. We came upon Honor. And it sounds really cheesy, but I guess this is just the way we were thinking. And hopefully we still do. We wanted something that reflected good values. I know that sounds terribly cheesy, but that is, that is no, genuinely it. We wanted, we wanted something that was like, you could kind of always aspire to. And maybe sometimes being in the music industry, doing the honorable things, not always the easy thing to do, mm. you know. So uh, it was kind of like a little guiding light now. So the name of the band is Anor, which stands for Honor. Yeah, well, you made the decision to honour the the magic of what happened on that very first occasion of that first song as well. So it's, it links in there too. Absolutely. I need to start saying that when people ask. That's, that's a way better answer. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're coming to Burr. Uh, tell us what can an audience in Burr expect from four lads from Donegal who came together by accident and made some magic? Oh, Burr's going to be so, so great. Um the live show, like our whole thing was everyone lived their own individual lives. You get together every now and then, you make a music video. When we decided to make a live show out of it, which actually was only 
January 2023, we decided to make a, a live show. The live show has just taken on a life of its own. We have no idea how or why, but we love it. It's so much better <laughs> than making videos. It's that response off people. And I again, there seems to be a massive renaissance at the minute for Irish folk music. There's people like, we're not, we're, we're, we don't think of ourselves as, as four very young guys. I'm the youngest in the group and I'm 31. There's people like 18, 17, 19 showing up to these theatre shows that we do, singing every word of every Irish folk song that we sing. It's like, it's mind blowing. We have tried our very, very best to honour Irish culture, to honour all the best parts of our music and all the writers and the poets and the heritage there. And we also are firm believers in if you're going to spend your hard-earned money to come out and see a show, that number one, you have to get way more than you paid for, and number two, you have to have a great time. So our live show is very precious to us, and we really hope and we always strive that we over-deliver on that. So hopefully the good people of Offaly will, uh, will get to experience it now on the 13th. We're really looking forward to that. Well, well, we'll tease them a little further with that second song that you did, The Parting Glass. Um, ah, brilliant. Jeremy McGee, thank you so much for talking to us on Encore. Thank you so much for having me. Encore on Midlands 183, your arts and entertainment for the Midlands with the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. Imagine the possibilities. DeanCrowTheatre.com Still to come on Encore this evening, Mary Minnock, a writer from Rahan outside Tullamore, tells us about her novel, it's called Homesick, and about her very positive experience of self-publishing. Now, positive experiences were only part of the story for writer and comedian Anne Gildee when she found herself confronted with the menopause. She is bringing her hilarious and informative show, How to Get the Menopause and Enjoy It, on tour this year. And over the course of 2024, between now and June, I think, it will play in all of the counties of the Midlands. On Saturday, she's in Mullingar. We were chatting recently and she told me where the show came from, from its origins. Well, I was writing a show about midlife and it was my partner who said you should pivot it all around menopause. And initially, I was so reluctant to explore that idea because um, I, I, would, I just felt so negative about the whole notion of menopause and just felt, um, you know, it was just like a secret thing and nobody talked about it. Yeah. But it was just fascinating to delve into it and to realize that there's so many things involved with going through the menopause that I'd never thought of before. I thought it was just, oh, we know our periods will stop and we might get the odd heart flush. But there's <laughs> a, a million, there's a million other things. You know, when those hormones drain away out of your body, uh, it affects Everything, particularly your brains, bones and your heart, you know, and there's just a million little symptoms here and there that you'd never think were involved with menopause. And that was the revelation for me when I started looking into it during lockdown. And so I try uh, in the show to convey my shock and surprise about all I discovered and to just <laughs> share that information. And like things like suddenly getting vertigo, that is totally related to menopause or that it can cause depression or, you know, it can it affect a multitude of things. So that's um, 
a big part of you know the the content of the show is yeah. just wow. There's there's so many things involved. And this was a shock to you because growing up in Turbo Curry in the seventies and the eighties. Nobody mentioned the menopause. It wasn't even a four-letter word. It was worse than that altogether. Well, it was the change, and it you know, and there was no mention of it. It was just um, uh, women got older and moved stage left, and they were just little old ladies and say nothing. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, and luckily, the conversation has really opened up. And when I, I, I started looking into it, it was during lockdown and I had the show ready to go once things opened up. And it, it was just fortuitous that it just so happened. Um, it became the word du jour. Yeah. And Davina McCall did a documentary on it. There was that long session on Joe Duffy where women were phoning in, sharing their experiences. That was an absolute revelation. Do you remember that went on for about eight days? It did, yeah. And the stories, yeah, it felt like three years. But <laughs> the stories <laughs> that, but the stories the women were sharing were just unbelievable. Things that they'd gone through at this time of life, and and um, they didn't realise, they didn't understand that you know um, because you're going through menopause, maybe you should pause and think. Um, you know, is this related to my hormonal changes? Like people were going through divorces, they were changing jobs, they were experiencing uh, uh, being totally overwhelmed in their lives and, and not being able to cope. So, and just knowing that it might be menopause, yeah. you know, really helps. You you talk about the pause part, but what about the men and what about Paul? Because it's hard for me to accept. It is just hard for me to accept that he said, you know, really interesting creative idea for you to explore, Anne, because nobody else is doing it. Would be something you might have to do some research in. Now, I know you don't have any experience of it. We have no knowledge of it here in this house, but you might want to go and uh, think about this about to be topical issue. Yeah, I mean, I I have guys who I've I've had guys bring their wives along to the show and go. Now have a listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this explains a thing or two. <laughs> you know, so so w- was he? Was that part of his his methodology in encouraging you to to go down that road to write? The, the, the you know, possibly, possibly it was, but I think he cleverly also realized that it was a really interesting topic and I, th- I, I it does fascinate me that that was coming from a guy uh-huh. because I you know I was going mm, I'm not interested in that and you know by that time I was postmenopausal, and I thought that doesn't matter to me anymore and that was a big revelation finding out that actually what you go through in the menopause um, and all those hormonal changes affects your life for the rest of your life mm. and that's why it's important to be informed and to be able to make an informed choice about should you go on HRT um, how should you, you know, think about your health as as you age? Yeah, because but, we're all living longer, you know. Yeah, but every every woman at at every stage in her life talks to her female friends about, you know, what her body is doing because she can't talk to anybody else about it. And you do have yeah. those laughs when you're having those conversations with your friends, but it's a different thing, Anne, to sit down and write it funny for a full audience. I think things can be funny in indirect in direct proportion to how serious they are. And a, a big part of the funny for me was just my sheer ignorance about what was going on in my body. 
and then just finding out the minutiae of uh, everything that was happening and and just being able to express my ignorance, all these things going on, and just sharing that. I, there's, there's, there's a lot of funny in there, you know? <laughs> so tell us some of the funny. What did you particularly find funny or entertaining or, oh, oh, oh really? Oh, that? Um, one thing I... Uh, I found funny was just um, through my own experience and talking to other women and just reading about it, just the sheer ignorance of um, doctors around, uh, particularly male doctors around the whole thing. Yeah. Like um, I, one woman told me that she went to the doctor with, and 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 uh, sat down and said, now I want to talk um, about my menopause and perhaps going on HRT. And he went, oh, sorry, I wouldn't know about that. That's women's stuff. <laughs> and that was a doctor. And uh, another woman told me that her doctor said, you wouldn't want to go on HRT just for vanity reasons, would you? Um as a suggestion that HRT has to do with vanity. And um, like, you know, I say, I, I, I went to the doctor and I, I knew nothing about um, menopause and it turns out neither did he. And I did, I remember <laughs> going along and having all these symptoms and, and they're just being put down to other things. Oh, maybe that's depression. Oh, maybe, you know, the, you're beginning with osteoporosis or whatever, you know. And so many women go through these things and the whole yeah. picture isn't put together. That there's such a basket of symptoms and, and, and maybe it can all be helped by just understanding what you're going through because of your time of life. Yeah, I think one of the strange things is, isn't it, um, where you, you come to a certain age and you have a certain understanding, I think, of all the teachers that you had who were women in their, their late 40s and their 50s. And you think, yes. uh, now I understand why in the middle of the winter she was going around in her sandals. Now, <laughs> now, now it makes yes. sense why all the windows are open all the time. Now I understand. Yeah, why she was like a demon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or why, why? That's the whole thing. Understanding. That's the whole thing. Having some understanding. Yeah. Uh, and, and and were you conscious of the of of the humor of those experiences as you were going through them, as you were experiencing hot flushes, as you were experiencing night sweats? Or were you thinking, "Does great comedy uh, in this?" Or no, no. <laughs> I it was it was. I went through all that. Well, I talk about it in the show yeah. and that I was kind of plunged into the menopause, going through treatment for breast cancer. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't realize that this is actually menopause. You know, I mean, suddenly uh, after three weeks of chemo every night, I was wringing out the bed sheets, my nightie, my boyfriend's <laughs> neck, you know, <laughs> and uh so we've we've done a lot um, now on on how to get the menopause and what happens when you get the menopause. Tell us how we're going to enjoy it, Anne. <laughs> well, <laughs> the enjoyment bit of it is, you know, I talk about women at this time of life, and the enjoyment bit of it is, I think that women at this age, women into middle age and older, have so much experience and have such brilliant perspective on life that I think that that is the enjoyment of it. It is enjoying who you are, all the knowledge that you have now, carrying that forward and really embracing. There's a lot of freedoms uh, um, at at this age. You know, we're post-reproductive. Women have had children. Their children are a bit older. There can be a freeing up. There's certainly 
um, a letting go of things that you you know about you caring about your parents so much or whatever you just you begin to realize there's more important things in life and uh, i i think it's just that a freedom of experience and just knowing life is short and you might as well go for it now and embrace what you really want and i think that that is the enjoyment bit of this time of life and thinking of it as being the menopausal, post-menopausal time. I think there is uh, a real power of being a woman at this age because when you're younger, you can be, it's, it can be quite fraught. Mm. Um, y- y- you know, there's, there's so many pressures, you know, around have kids, don't have kids, am I pregnant? Um, what, what do I want for my relationship scenario? And on top of your work scenario and everything else, there's a, there's a, a sense of more letting go and um, as you get on a bit. And I think that that is the enjoyment bit. Okay, well, I'm going to leave the last word to Loretta Dignam, who is the founder of the Menopause Hub, who described the play as hilarious and educational in equal parts. I must see, I laughed so much, my face hurt. So there, I, I think that probably sums it up fairly well. And that is Anne Gildee, who will be in Mullingar Arts Centre on Saturday night. The show is called How to Get the Menopause and Enjoy It. And that is it from Encore from this, for this evening. I'll be back in this seat again with you next week with more of what's happening in the arts and culture across the Midlands. Encore at midlands103.com, the email address if you'd like to get in touch. The great Joe Cooney will be here after the news with more of the best in Irish and American country music. Um, until I'm talking talking to you again. Take care of yourself. Good night. Encore on Midlands 183, your arts and entertainment for the Midlands with the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. Imagine the possibilities. DeanCrowTheatre.com You're very welcome back to Encore this evening. Mary Minnock is from Rahan, which is just outside Tullamore here in County Offaly. She is by day a translator, translating from French and a copywriter, but she has also been for 20 years a writer and a lover of fiction. She has written three novels, but just before Christmas, she published her first. And she's been telling me about that journey and about her decision to go down a very different route for publication. As you probably know, getting published is extremely difficult. I think about 1% of all submitted novels get published. Um, so it's it's really, you know, you're going up against it. Um, so it was really um, difficult. So then I decided, I think it's about like 18 months ago, I decided, right, that's it. I'm going to publish myself. And uh, that whole industry has changed dramatically in terms of self-publishing. It's it's so much easier, so much more accessible, so much more democra- democratic and so much more environmentally friendly in that they only publish the books that you sell as, or they print the books that yes, you sell yeah. rather than p- printing large quantities that end up not being sold. So it's all become, the whole industry has changed and uh, I decided to go ahead and do that. In So I launched in... Uh, September, and I launched uh, my Homesick is the book. Homesick is the book, and yeah. yeah, and it's it's available in three versions. So it's available as a as a as a paperback, which is available in Midland Books and in Robbins in Tullamore. So if anyone is interested, it's available there. And I also did have a an ebook uh, for the Kindle, 
and I have an audiobook. You know, as you you might know, audiobooks have by far the biggest growth sector of the public uh, publishing industry. Yeah. I mean, there's a huge interest in all those audio entertainment podcasts, radio. Um, audiobooks. Yeah, well it's a little bit like that feeling of radio, isn't it? It's about having having the voice in your head, sharing the space with another human voice. There's something very special Absolutely. about that. Take us back to the 20 years of writing and that experience of pitching to publishers and, and trying to get yourself out there. That got to the point where then you decided, no, I'm going to do this myself. Uh, what was that? Yes. That's, that experience must have been demoralising, but you kept writing. Well, yes. Um, rejection is hard for everybody, regardless of what domain it happens in, you know, whether it be for a job interview, romantically, or in my case, where I had, uh, you know, my artistic endeavours where I, I felt it, it felt very personal when I was rejected. And it always yeah. took me a day or two to kind of shake it off and get back. Uh, you know, I would feel out of sorts for a day or two after I got uh, another rejection. So it's been fantastic to write to write it myself to, to to publish myself. Yeah. And every day I'm getting a text or an email or a little message from somebody saying, oh, "I just finished your book and I loved it and it was great." So that has been so encouraging because that's why we write. I mean. I know that some people say, oh, I love writing. And I do enjoy the writing process. But writing, for me anyway, it's like uh, a conversation with the reader. Um, Because I've noticed readers pick up on different aspects of my novel and, and talk to me about that. So it's like having a conversation. And when you're not published and nobody's reading, it's like a monologue. It's not a, <laughs> it's not a conversation anymore. So it's yeah. lovely to have that because I bring what I want to my book, but also yeah. the reader brings their sensitivities to the book as they're reading. So it's just been fantastic. Yeah, you describe it as moving from monologue to dialogue, but listening to you talk about it there, it sounds like moving from powerless to powerful by having that control there to to publish yourself. How did you go about it? Where did you start when you decided this is the route now that I'm now going to, to go down? Well, um, I did look at the various options and there are, you can, you can, there are, I suppose, um, three different ways you can go about publishing a paperback. The typical one would be KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing, which is the uh, pub- self-publishing arm of Amazon. And I'm not sure what percentage of the market share it has, but it would be quite high okay. because they make it very easy. Well, as easy as it can be. And... The other option is to go with other um, publishing houses who will do that work for you. Or thirdly, what you can do, and a lot of people do this, is they go to a printer who will print X number of copies. And that works well for somebody who is producing, say, for example, a family history or something. And they know who's going to buy it, their own family. Um, so they, so, but I decided to go down the route with Amazon. And I also decided 
which was a li- felt a little crazy at the time, but uh-huh. it was a really great experience. The audio book. Yeah. I ended up putting um, uh, muffling my whole bathroom and or sorry bedroom and putting up. Um, sorry, just hold on. Um, sorry. That's sorry okay. About that. You ended um, up muffling. Yeah. You just go back to the So I that. muffled. I put up um, uh, quilts all around my bedroom. So it was a little claustrophobic, I have to say, um, when I was going to bed at night. But I, I, I muffled all the sound. And then I start, I was on a very steep learning curve about how to sound edit, how to record, how to narrate, how to perform. Because that's it's a performance when you're reading your book. You really have to convey the feeling. Um, that you have while you're um, that that great it was a great experience I really enjoyed doing that and and I've got go on sorry and I've I've got good very good feedback on that so you know all that has been so encouraging after years and years of negativity even though I got encouraging comments from agents and publishers that I submitted to they said it's good we like it but not for us so yeah. and that was very discouraging and now it's well, it, just been the opposite it's hard to know where to go with that then isn't it well being honest I am planning to publish another book next year and I don't think I'm even going to try uh, the traditional publishing route I just have had such a positive experience with the self-publishing that I think that that's my preferred route. Yeah. I mean, you don't have the same distribution channels that you would have with uh, traditional publishing. But, um, But you can still sell, you know, and it's not a question of really sales. Sales isn't the, isn't the point for me. It's connection. Yeah. with readers. Um, and so many writers have begun by self-publishing and then become phenomena in their own right. We talk about our own Patricia Gibney. Uh, look at somebody like uh, Colleen Hoover who has I mean, taken the publishing world by storm but Absolutely. has taken it by the reins herself. She started out self-publishing. Now she is uh, traditionally published now, but she started out self-publishing. And last year, I see that in 2022, of the top 10 best-selling books in all categories in the US, she sold six of them. It's quite Her extraordinary. Six out of the top 10 yeah. of all categories, fiction, non-fiction, everything. So... It's kind of incredible. And she really, her success really, I think, came through TikTok. Yes, TikTok and book talk has become such a thing. And you, you have to wonder if the publishing companies are quaking in their boots. Um, you used the word democratise earlier on and really publishing has become so democratic uh, and people are so empowered to, to produce what they want. But also readers uh, take feedback, not necessarily from big reviewers, in big publications uh, who have access to texts early on uh, or who have powerful um, publishers behind them, but from ordinary people who are 
reading something that they like and uh, mm-hmm. reviewing it themselves on TikTok. Absolutely. Well, I think every book succeeds through word of mouth. You know, even if it's traditionally published, you're just trying to get it um, as much as possible spread out there so that people read it and then talk about it. So I've been lucky that way in that I'm now starting to meet people who who are one step removed from me, like my friend's son's girlfriend came to me and said, I'd never met her before, said, oh, I read your book and I really liked it. So I'm now getting that kind of, I mean, I haven't quite, I mean, there are some sort of, let's say, complete strangers to me that have come back with positive feedback, but it's still only early days, so. Yeah. And the feedback has to be positive. We'll talk a bit about the book itself. Um, so it moves yes. between two times and two places. We have Dublin and we have Galway. We have Dublin, uh, we have 1987 and we have 2002. Um, uh, where's the inspiration from for Christina come from? Well, um, I mean, it is fiction, but it does come partly from my own life and I think most people draw inspiration from real events and their real experiences and then they might embroider or exaggerate or highlight aspects just to kind of increase the drama of it but I Christina is the eldest daughter uh, in a big family as I am and that it can be a great thing and it can also be come at a cost. Uh, and that's, I suppose, part of it. So Christina has uh, been bullied at school. She grows up and she goes, moves to Dublin, creates a certain distance with home and with her family because of the, basically the trauma she's gone through. Um, she succeeds to a certain extent in her professional and personal life but she's very much under control she controls everything and then when her mother gets a stroke and she comes she's obliged to come back home and really be part of the family again she has to confront she discovers when she goes to the hospital that her the bully who who bullied her during her teenage years is now a nurse looking after her mother yeah and so she's dealing with at the same time, her traumas from the past, but also issues in the present with her large family who are all dealing with their own problems and issues that arise. And she's drawn into their problems, being the eldest. So life becomes a little hard for her to cope with. And uh, she just uh, she just has to deal with it and... I won't say any more, maybe, without yeah. giving too many Without spoilers. giving too much uh, away. And that is Mary Minnick. And that is it from Encore. Thank you so much for your company this evening. We've always enjoyed having you with us on a Thursday night, where we are between 7 and 8 o'clock, bringing you the best of what's happening in the arts in Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Encore at midlands103.com is where you'll get me. I look forward to hearing from you. Do keep in touch. I'll be back in this seat again next week. Until then. Take care of yourself. Good night. 
Encore on Midlands 183, your arts and entertainment for the Midlands with the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. Imagine the possibilities. DeanCrowTheatre.com.